A little OCD going on here. I was music director in uh, a couple churches earlier in my ministry, and I remember doing uh, favorites like that. And I have great admire for what Pastor Self is doing here. I remember years ago, we had just the hymnals to deal with, and one of the biggest things was make sure we know the song. And I always had the rule, if I don't know the song while I'm leading it, you get to come up and lead it. So that helped a lot. I've never heard him threaten that. He must know all of them. And then, uh, and then, of course, you have sometimes an accompanist can't play it in that key. So she's playing out of a different hymnal in a different key. And sometimes there's alternate tunes to the same title. And so there's a comedy of errors right there that can happen. Uh, I am just amazed at we have hymnals, we have the extra songbooks, we have so, so, so accomplished musicians on the, on the keyboards. And then those guys pull up all the words and even the notes. You notice some of them are words, some of them are notes. We're also dealing with copyright laws and we live stream. So there's certain things we can put on live stream, certain things we can't. It's just, it's a lot more work nowadays. So thank you everyone involved to make something like that happen. Uh, it is enjoyable. It adds to the the joy of singing. Well, I'd like to talk tonight about the necessities of life. The necessities of life. So take your Bibles, turn to John chapter 4. We're going to look at John 4, 5, and 6 a little bit. Um, but talk about the necessities of life. Uh, I read some articles recently here about what it takes for life to exist. What are the necessities of life? And so I kind of use that as a sounding board to develop a message off of, and let's have a word of prayer, ask the Lord's blessing on our time together tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, guide our thoughts and help me as I share the Word of God tonight, that uh, we know the Word of God doesn't return void, and I pray, Father, that I could be an empty vessel and use, used by you tonight, that uh, we could each gain something that would strengthen our faith. Help us, Father, to uh, allow you to have the preeminence in every area of our life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So what are the basic elements of life? What do we need to live? Everyone agrees we need water. Okay? Did everyone agree to that? We need water to live. In fact, I did a little research. 71% of the Earth's surface is covered by water. Uh, a gallon, and most of that's ocean water, a gallon of ocean water has about a cup of salt in it per gallon. That's a lot of salt. And by the way, I didn't know this, the Atlantic Ocean is more salty than the Pacific Ocean. I don't know what ramifications that has, but it is. Our, the human body is 66% water. And our blood, that red stuff that flows through our veins, is actually 83% water. And our brains are made up of 95% water. So some of us need a little more water <laughs> than others. But we all know that we need water. I know when we go hiking as a family, uh, not my most favorite pastime, but my wife's most famous pastime, 
She's always reminding us, uh, make sure you bring plenty of water. You have to have plenty of water when you're hiking. Uh, I know we used to, uh, when we take trips and things, and we used to live out west, when we would go out in the desert, whether we were hiking or, or off-roading or camping, the rule was you have to have a gallon of water per day. Uh, that's a lot of water. Um, uh, when you're sick, people tell you to drink more water, you'll get, you'll get better quicker. So we need water, okay? None of the scientists disagree on that one. We need air. Uh, we, we do need air to live. Uh, hold your breath uh, for a while and find out how much you need air. Did you ever do this contest when you were a child? Now, the, the children have left for Children's Church, so I'll talk about it more openly. Okay, let's see who can hold their breath the longest. Have you ever played that game? I remember playing that game as a child. And then there were always the people that you were concerned that they were cheating. They were kind of sneaking a breath here or there. So those are the people that when, you know, it was summer and you, you were in the swimming pool or in the lake, you'd make them prove it underwater because <laughs> you can see the bubbles if they were cheating, right? Am I the only one that ever did that growing up? Okay. <laughs> Might have been a Michigan thing. 98% um, of our air that we breathe is made up of nitrogen, 20 to 21% oxygen, and 1% other stuff. And literally, that's what several scientific articles said, other stuff. Uh, some other people defined it a little bit. But I read this, that we inhale and exhale 10,000 liters of, oxygen, or of, of air a day. 10,000 liters. Now, I'm not very good with metric, so I tried to convert it. I converted it to gallons, and it scared me. 2,641 gallons, but I don't think you can measure air by gallons. So then I did cubic feet, and it was like 353 cubic feet of air each day we inhale and we exhale. Um, for those of you who, that have inquiring minds. Now, if you're exercising, it can be double that. But we need air. We need air to live. No one disputes the fact that we need water, we need air. Thirdly, we need food. Um, many of us could live on less food. <coughs> I resemble that remark. But we could live a few weeks, actually, without eating. But only a few days without water. Only a few minutes without air. So I kept reading, and some scientists say that we also need light. That we need light to survive. Uh, and, and this is what they said, that life has extremely important functions in relationship to a lot of the biological processes that occur in our, our bodies. Metabolism, blood circulation, hormone balance. Uh, it synchronizes, I guess, our internal clock, uh, helps us keep a certain rhythm, uh, also affects our psyche. You know, if you don't have enough light, people that live way up north, say in Alaska, um, you know, my mom, hi mom, if you're watching, um, talks about sad disease, seasonal affective, Disorders. Disorders, yeah, sad. When you don't get enough light. And so people uh, go for more light. Of course, um, light is needed for that whole plant thing and photosynthesis, which gives us oxygen. So I think that's part of the breathing part. Of course, without the sun, uh, our earth would have no light and we would have no light on earth. So some people say we need light. Others... NASA said this, NASA needs, we need, says that we need shelter. 
Now, you can define shelter in various ways. We usually think of a house, um, but shelter could be as simple as clothing. It could be a tent. It could be anything that protects you from the elements, either the extreme heat, the cold, the rain, the snow, the ice. Uh, So there's some debate whether or not we have to have shelter to actually live. And then there's some scientific journals that went on too far, too technical, and saying that we have to have carbon, nitrogen, phosphorus, and sulfur to survive, and I couldn't find any biblical application, so we're moving on. (laughs) One scientific article said this. They added one more to the general list that everybody had, the water, the air, the, the food. They added luck. A scientific journal put out by the National History Museum in London, and I'm going to read a quote. Earth has been a lucky planet with all the ingredients of life coming together simultaneously. Having all the right chemicals on the same planet seems fortunate. And Earth, a tiny planet in the middle of an enormous universe, is lucky to have enough of that right, the right chemicals to support a vast abundance of life. Aren't, aren't you glad that we have luck? <laughs> now, in 2008, I was a project manager building the gymnasium back there. 2021... Uh, we added the addition on. And I remember talking at length with architects, with engineers, surveyors. There was the steel building crew. There were the concrete masons. There were electricians. There were plumbers. There were people that did the heating and air conditioning. I remember working on the acoustics and trying to, trying to get it so the sound wouldn't bounce around too bad and things like that. And, The air conditioners could come on and you could still hear somebody speaking. Um, Tile installers, flooring, drywall, paving, landscaping, sound systems. Um, Now, what's the possibility of that bare land out there becoming a gymnasium with classrooms and a stage and sound system and locker rooms all by itself over billions of years? You know, maybe a hurricane would come and help it along. <clears throat> maybe a, a flood would happen upon it and change the makeup of the land. Maybe some of that flood would, would ice up and there'd be some sort of ice age. <clears throat> Lightning might happen. Something could happen there. Great winds, an earthquake maybe. Maybe a meteorite would hit out there. And somehow that gymnasium would come to be. Well, we know that's ridiculous. Just as ridiculous as this earth being very lucky. This world, the human body, animals, plant life, all to an honest person point to an intelligent design. As Christians, we believe that Genesis 1 through 11 point us to that intelligent designer. And that designer has been revealed to us through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Some other articles add needs that we have in life are peace and hope and health. We have to have family and friendships, purpose, time, learning. We have to have love. All these things are necessary for life. 
I took a class in, in uh, my undergrad in college called Biblical Ethics. This was at a Christian college. And uh, we talked in Biblical Ethics about euthanasia. Now, that's not the teenagers running around on the other side of Europe. Euthanasia has to do with, you know, doctor-assisted suicides or allowing the elderly to die with dignity or however you want to phrase it. Um, but I remember talking about those things and a couple things, I was reminded of a couple things. What is it that biblically we can say still is life? You know, you get someone that's maybe 100 years old and they're living on life support. How long do you let them live on life support? Um, uh, what, what's their quality of life? Now, God knows the quality of our life, but we did some study on that, and I kind of concluded through, through my study of it that I think we need to have a functioning heart. Uh, Pastor realized about a year and a half ago, two years ago, how long ago was that? Almost two years ago now, that if your heart's not working, your body's not working too well. Um, in fact, Leviticus 17.11 says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And it talks about, uh, you know, I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it's the blood that maketh atonement for the soul, but the life of the flesh is in the blood. That's what the Bible says. And then the other thing the Bible says is, uh, has to do with our lungs. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Man was not a living soul until God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And so, however non-scientific, but hope, hopefully we try to, to guide our thinking by biblical reasoning, um, I feel, this may not be, be backed up by a lot of doctrinal dissertations, but I feel like if for a prolonged period of time, not if someone was in an accident and you bring them back to life and, and you know, they're, they're not in a vegetative state for 10 years, okay? Uh, but for a prolonged period of time, if someone has to have their heart beating for them artificially and breathing artificially, I feel like, well, maybe it's God calling them home because God gave the life of the flesh in the blood, the heart pumping, and the, he, breathed, he breathed into us the breath of life. Well, that's just another thing to consider when we talk about life. What's essential for life? But regardless of the, the, the miracles of modern medicine and all that, what is essential for life? So I wanted to look at it and see, see God's perspective about how he gives us what's essential for life. And so we're going to look first at water, and that's in John chapter 4. John chapter 4, and Jesus says that he is the living water. He gives us living water. Look at verse number 6. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Now wait a minute. Jesus is sitting at the well. The Samaritan woman comes up, and he tells her to get him a drink. Okay, Jesus probably wasn't walking around with a bucket, okay? 
So you have to bring your own bucket to the well. And he didn't have one, so she came up and he asked her to get him some water. Okay? Verse 8 says, For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And we've heard sermons about that over the years. The Samaritans were not the favorite people of Jews. They were, were not viewed, at, viewed as um, first-class citizens, so to speak. Jesus answered, verse 10, and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. So this is the first time he brings up this living water. Verse 11 says, The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Tell me about this living water. Verse 12, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoso drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whoso drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. And so Jesus is talking about this living water where you won't thirst again. And, and of course, over and over in the New Testament, Jesus performed miracles. He spoke in parables. This is one of those where he's equating salvation, eternal life, to living water where you'll never thirst again. Um, Physically, I was thirsty yesterday. Guess what? I woke up this morning and I was thirsty again. Spiritually, I had a thirst that was quenched when I asked Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And he is the living water and I'll never thirst in that area spiritually again. Now I should hunger and thirst after righteousness and those sort of things. But Jesus says that he is the living water. Uh, secondly, air. We talk about air. We need air to breathe. Uh, Genesis 2.7, we read that a minute ago. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now remember, Jesus is part of the Trinity. Jesus was there at creation, and Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. So as far as breathing into his nostrils the breath of life, that came from Christ. Uh, turn, keep, your pay, keep your place in John chapter 4. We're coming back to John, but turn over to Acts 17. Acts 17, and this is where um, Paul is on Mars Hill, and he's talking to the men of Athens. And they were a little too superstitious, it says in verse 22. Acts 17 uh, 22, he says, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. Verse 23 says, For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship him, him declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in the temple made with hands. Paul is telling him who God is. Neither is he worshipped with man's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath 
and all things. God is the one who gives us life and breath. And by the way, verse 26 is an interesting phrase. I just want to go on. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth. How many have seen this series by Ken Ham, One Blood, One Race? Uh, That's where he got this phrase, one blood, one race. All of us, regardless of how much pigment, how much melanin we have in our skin, are all one race. We are one blood, one race created by God in his image. Um, It says there in verse 27 that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far off from every one of us, For in him, verse 28, we live and move and have our being. In him, in Christ, we live, we move, we have our being. So Jesus gave us living water. Jesus has given us breath, air to breathe. Number three, food. So back in John chapter 6, just a couple chapters over, John chapter 6, Jesus is preaching a message. This is a couple chapters. It's a few messages after he spoke to the woman at the well. But he's telling a large group of people here, labor not for the meat which perisheth, in John 6, 37, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life. Again, he's speaking in parables. We're not just talking about this food that lasts for a little while. I'm talking about food which endures. Verse 28 says, Then they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him who he hath sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign showeth thou then, that we may see and believe in thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then verse 32, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. Verse 33, for the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. So he's talking about himself. Then said Jesus unto them, uh, or then they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. So our essentials of life, Jesus is the bread of life. He is the food that is fit for our eternal hunger to be nourished. John 6.40 says, This is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. So Jesus speaking in parable when he's talking about the living water, you'll never thirst again. The bread of life, you'll never never be hungry again. He's speaking of himself. Okay, so let's say some of the scientists are right and we need light to survive. So uh, John 8, 12 is a familiar verse to most of us. I am the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world that followeth me. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And what about shelter? Do we really need shelter? Um, I didn't find this specifically in Jesus' words, but David in Psalm 61 says, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock 
that is higher than I, for thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. So God, through Christ, can be our shelter. Uh, We sing the song, A Shelter in the Time of Storm. That's not in the Bible, by the way, but uh, Christ is our shelter in the time of storm. In short, it, it comes down to this. Of the necessities of life, in Christ we have all we need. Obviously, there are physical necessities that we have. Spiritually, Christ is certainly all we need. Um, Don't turn there, but on the screen you'll see Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For by him were all things created. See, there's Christ at creation that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. Verse 17 says, he is before all things, and by him all things consist. All we need is Jesus. By him all things consist. You know, if Jesus were to remove his presence from the world, you know, nobody can really explain scientifically why, why there's a positive charge and a negative charge in that neutron, and it doesn't repel each other. By him all things consist. And he's the head of the body, verse 18 says, the church, who's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Because Christ is all we need, and by him all things consist, he should, as verse 18 says, in all things have the preeminence. So how about that tonight, Christian? Does Christ have the preeminence in your life? Is Christ all you need, or do we need a whole bunch of other stuff that we pile on, that we need all this other stuff? Christ isn't enough for us. Paul, back on Mars Hill, says this in verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. Is that how we function today? In him we live and move and have our being. Is Christ all you need? Well, for salvation, he certainly is. Well, how about for your daily life? Does he have preeminence? You know, there's five things that Jesus did not say. We're talking about some things he did say. These are some things he didn't say. Common thoughts, common things you might hear today. Just follow your heart. You know, you've seen that on television, on billboards, on social media, on the internet, just follow your heart. What Jesus say? Jesus said, follow me. Follow me, amen. Why? Because Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? How about this one? Be true to yourself. Just be true to yourself. Everything will be okay. Jesus says that if you want to be his disciple, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. So should we be true to ourselves or be true to Christ? Deny ourselves. Here's a good one. Very popular nowadays. Live your truth. Just live your truth. You know, Jesus didn't say that. The world is saying that. And the world is saying that because of moral relativism. Because your truth isn't my truth. You know, that might be true for you, but not for me. And it's an excuse to not have an absolute authority. 
to whatever I think is okay for me. What does Jesus say? I am the truth. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me, he said. How about this one that Jesus didn't say? As long as you're happy. You know, as long as you're happy, everything will be okay. Jesus asked this question, for what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? In the Beatitudes, uh, we see Jesus preaching a sermon, Sermon on the Mount, they call it. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are they that mourn, they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That word blessed in the, in the Sermon on the Mount could also be equally translated happy. So happy are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed or happy are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed or happy are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed or happy are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. As long as you're happy doesn't cut it. As long as we're living a life pleasing to God, allowing him to have, Christ to have preeminence in our life. How about this one? Number five, believe in yourself. Just believe in yourself. You know, have confidence. Know what you're doing and just go for it. Believe in yourself. What Jesus say? Believe in me. That comes down to what we've heard many times. Do we have great faith in something or do we have faith in a great something? It doesn't matter if you have a lot of faith in yourself, but it matters if you have a little faith in a great God. Jesus said, believe in me. I hope if you're here tonight, I don't see many unfamiliar faces that you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That though we're sinners and Christ, uh, Christ God won't allow sin into heaven, Christ came and died to pay the penalty for those sins. The wages of sin is death, but... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves, but we believe in him. Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sins. If we believe and accept that free gift of salvation, we have eternity in heaven. That's God's plan. Christians, Colossians 1.18, he's the head of the body of the church, who's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. If Jesus Christ is the necessity for life and he meets all of our necessities for life, then in him we should find our being and in our lives he should have preeminence. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time together that we've had. I pray, Lord, that you would um, help each Christian to examine their hearts. Help us, Lord, to give you preeminence in our hearts and our lives. Help us, Father, to trust in you, not only for salvation, but for our daily walk. Help us to deny ourselves. Help us to live for Christ. Help us not to focus on what makes us happy, but on what pleases you. Now, if you're here tonight, can you say, I want Christ to have preeminence in my life? Christian, are you here today? And that's the prayer of your heart.
If there's anyone here today that's never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, while all of our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around, have you ever placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? If not, you could pray and ask Christ for eternal life right now, placing your faith and trust in Him. Just a prayer something like this. If you believe it, you place your faith and trust in Christ. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know that sin will not allow me to go to heaven, that heaven's a perfect place. But I thank you, Jesus, for coming and dying and paying the penalty for my sin. And I place my faith and trust in your finished work on the cross, trusting you and you alone for my salvation. If you've prayed that tonight, the best of your ability, you meant it from your heart. Jesus is your Savior. You have eternal life. Is there anyone here tonight that prayed to ask Jesus to forgive their sins? and accepted Him as Savior, just slip up your hand where you are and I'll pray for you in a closing prayer. I'll not point you out. I'll not embarrass you in any way. Christians, how many of you here by a raised hand would say, I need to allow Christ to have the preeminence in my life? There's a few areas that I've not been denying myself, but I've been denying Him preeminence. Can you just lift a hand now and I'll pray for many hands raised. As we close in prayer, Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to walk with you. Help us to not deny ourselves to, as your word says, die daily. I pray, Father, that you would have preeminence in our lives. Help us to be a testament, a light, salt and light to this world that needs a Savior. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.